If your brand is a bit like Joe Biden and it did not age well, well, Black Pill Agency's got you covered. They can fix that bitch right up. And uh, if you're starting from scratch, they can help you there as well. They basically do all design for my weekly videos, so I don't have to move a finger because goddammit, I suck with designing. So, Black Pill Agency's got you covered. I'll include the link after the show. Welcome everybody to the White Noise Podcast. In today's episode, I've got Jillian Benson. Jillian, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Well, Jillian, you made um, you made quite an interest into the world. Um, once uh, just an advocate doing her own thing, and then uh, the media got their hands on you, and all of a sudden, yeah, you were in the spotlight. And then you came back to Twitter, and the Twitter return was quite... Uh, um, hilarious and fun and it's great to have you back in the Twitterverse Gillian. Thank you very much yeah so I mean you know lockdown was um, rather uneventful and became rather eventful so I suppose I can thank the media for something interesting happening in that time. Um, it had its, its bad times and it's, it's had a lot of its great times as a result. Yeah yeah for sure I mean at, at the best of times mainstream media is quite mediocre but uh, <laughs> yeah, they, they, that didn't stop them from uh, interacting with you in a, a, a rather bizarre way. Gillian, I think for, for the audience members that aren't familiar with the whole saga, can you just maybe um, give us a brief summary of kind of what happened? And then what I want to do then is just tell the story from what happened back then and kind of where we are now. Okay, well, so in your life, really. to, to, to summarize it in a, in, a, in, a, in a shorter form as possible, um, I am in the third year of a rather acrimonious divorce. And lockdown was declared um, on the Sunday, and we were going into lockdown on the 26th of March um, this year for those very short and sweet 21 days, but we knew it would at least be 21 days. And my little boy happened to be with his father um, that week, and I had to bring an urgent application to get my son back. So that was a rather expensive exercise, but I, I managed to get him back at 7 o'clock on the eve of lockdown. Um, it left a rather expensive and bitter uh, taste in my mouth. But um, be that as it may, uh, we thought it would, you know, be this 21 days. And, and I really did believe in the lockdown initially. I think we um, all overestimated what the mortality rate would be, uh, those of us that were listening to everything that the media was saying. Um, and then on the, I think it was the 28th of April, the week before that, Cyril had said, um, you know, they're going to ease up a little bit. We'll get our cigarettes back. We'll be able to buy our wine. Um, and on the 29th of April, um, uh, Minister Nkosazana Dlamini Zuma addressed us, and there was a complete about to. Um, not only were we told that there would be no cigarettes or alcohol going forward, not that that's the be-all and end-all of everyone's life, but they also introduced... Speak for yourself. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm being... I'm being polite. Anyway, I know. Um, there was also the regulation implemented that you would henceforth require a permit um, to travel with your child between divorcing or separated parents. Um, so, you know, be Jill being Jill, um, you know, yes, I am a, by profession an advocate. I have been for many years. Um, but Jill is still Jill, and I expressed my... Um, dislike of these new implemented uh, regulations or turnaround by, by Minister and Corsazana Dlamini Zuma, and I dropped the F bomb on Facebook. Um, somebody happened to screenshot that, and a month later, uh, or 
just shy of a month later, um, what I had said on Facebook referring to um, Cyril and his goons, which means thugs, was all over the news. Um, yeah, so for 48 hours, I was apparently rather popular on, on Twitter, and um, I had a lot of backlash um, from probably my peers, um, but from the public, I had a surge in, in support. Suddenly, I was getting like 2,000 requests on Facebook to be my friend from every demographic in South Africa um, with really, um, you know, um, positive support. Because at the end of the day, first of all, it was a, a time, especially in May when the when the article broke, everybody was feeling very mentally, um, financially, emotionally um, strained. And I don't know even how I made the news. Even looking back now, I wish I knew who screamed, grabbed my Facebook and sent that to uh, the journalist in question. Uh, yeah, so it was, it, it was surreal, to, to say the least. Um, and then it died down as quickly as it started, but uh, long term, it's had really positive effects. So I'm now a member of the Senate of Action SA um, uh, with Herman Mashaba and his great team. Um, I hadn't envisaged a life in politics ever, um, but, you know, it's altered the course of my life. And I've got a huge following and I've got a lot of clients who have specifically requested me um, because apparently I've got balls. <laughs> well, you, you do. You do. <laughs> Just uh, And the fun thing is, um, you know, the, the way you handle anything, uh, you know, all your affairs on uh, Twitter as well. It's quite an entertaining and lighthearted way and, and sometimes hilarious as well. Um, so so I, I enjoy you on uh, Twitter quite a lot. Uh, you're quite quick-witted and you, you tell it as it is. And that is refreshing for me. And I think uh, in a world where everyone's trying to be politically correct, I think they do find it refreshing that there's an advocate out there that, that's kind of a, a jewel and she's, you're smart as well. And, and, and you can take a joke and you can make a joke. And I think that's, that's remarkable. I, I don't think that is the hallmark of your profession by default. Well, you know, no. I mean, when I'm at work, I'm a very different person. You know, then I'm, I'm an advocate and I'm doing my job in a professional capacity. Uh, but of it course, came, of course. The, the only surprising part about this for me is that it took them 12 years to get me into the media for saying the things that I do say. Um, I joined Facebook, I think, in 2008. And I've always, um, with, a, with a sense of lightheartedness, um, you know, been quite critical of, of any um, legal or government decision taken that I don't agree with. Um, and um, I've never been shy about um, having my own opinion. My, my parents will tell you that I came out of the womb having an opinion. So it, it, it's just, I'm surprised it took as long as it did for me to become famous for the things I have to say on Facebook. So Yeah, for sure. And, and I mean, that is in your personal capacity, Absolutely. first off. Um, and, 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 and all of us have freedom of speech or at least least in, in most cases we would think we have um unless you unless you catch the eye of some politician and or a mainstream media outlet and then they'll go for you which is kind of hilarious the same way uh that that would have an effect but it did in your case which is which isn't uh, actually regrettable um but you didn't do yeah, anything wrong you didn't act sorry i interrupted no, 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 no worries. So you didn't, any, you didn't do anything wrong per se. You just used, dropped an F-bomb and you just uh, communicated your displeasure. And what I liked about how, you, well, you didn't, you didn't um, go back in anything that you said. You just said 
okay, cool. I'm sorry for the f bomb, but I stand with what I said, and I find that is that's that's great. The, the worst thing people can do these days is actually take a, a, a foot back or crumble under pressure, where they say, "Oh, I didn't mean what I say." They don't stick with their guns, and you actually, like you mentioned earlier, had the balls and t- said, "Like, listen, I'm sorry for the f bomb, but I'm I'm standing my ground. I stand with what I said because I don't think the what you did or what's going on is right." And I actually applaud you for that, Gillian. That's quite that's quite awesome. You know, quite frankly, um, I'm not the only person in this country that uses the F word on a regular basis. My friends and family um, often sometimes to their disgruntlement know, um, you know, my, my cho- choice of vocabulary when I'm um, not particularly impressed. But I was just saying what everybody, I, w- I just said out loud what everybody was thinking or saying on that's WhatsApp. It. Um, the other thing is there were countless people and other legal professionals, I must tell you, who were saying even more, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, you know, like, like directly uh, vociferous comments about the NCCC <laughs> at the time, and yet they didn't make it into the news. And some of them hold far far higher um levels of um, not notoriety than I do. So how I became the little story, I, I don't know. But, um, you know, I wasn't the only one saying anything about it. Um, we're now sitting to, what, 224 days later? Um, and <laughs> and if it wasn't the hard lockdown that we had in May, would I even have made the news? Because we all feel the same, quite frankly. Those rules were... Oh, I mean, the regulations were were highly irrational um, to my mind and um, far exceeded the the purpose which they they were designed uh, to purportedly um, avoid the the, the effects of of COVID. Well, let's let's play a little game, Gillian. Let's play a game called What Was the Most Ridiculous Arbitrary Lockdown Rules? Quick fire round for my side. I'd say the flip-flops, the T-shirts, uh, exercising equipment are among my favorites and hot food, um, among other things. You go rapid fire. Um, I could be here all day if you really got me started, but it was definitely the permit <laughs> about um, children. You could take your kids to the mall, but you, as I said to Jim, you could take your kids to the mall, but you needed a permit to take it to the other parent. For me, it was the most ridiculous rule. Um, yeah. The other was that I could not buy winter clothes for my child because he wasn't under nine months old. You were only allowed to buy clothes for children entering into what was a really cold winter if your kid was under nine months. Now, ask any parent um, who has a two to 15-year-old plus how ridiculous that is. Um, And I I even had some woman commenting um, on um, Facebook um, on one of those those groups um, saying to me, yeah, but you should have prepared during summer. Yeah, well, we all thought we could buy winter clothes in March. You know, you didn't know this this was going to hit us. So This friend of yours also sounds like a Karen. Um, she wasn't a friend of mine, but she was a Karen, and she was on one of those pu- <laughs> public platforms that lockdown must die. You know, there were hundreds of those on Facebook at the time. Um, I was invited <laughs> to join a whole post of those, which I later removed myself from because there were so many woke people. And that's another thing. Um, you're talking about what were the ridiculous – uh, regulations were one of the most ridiculous consequences of of COVID has been the advent of the far woke. It is unbelievable. Well, they they've always been there. I mean, uh, you look at the Nicholas Bowers, the Adrian Bessons, the Chris Ropers, and all of them. Um, the, the, the the rhetoric they push. 
Uh, it's a lot of postmodernism, critical race theory, and and ANC and EFF as well. Everything's about race. Um, so so yeah, that's what they do, and and then these guys do themselves no favors. But we can talk about them all day. So that's yeah. a whole topic for another day. Well, a lot um, of these people, um, I didn't even know their names before lockdown, and you know, as you watched as the MSM progressed. Um, you were getting the narrative from a lot of people who I now know very well who they are. Um, and it's it's been quite interesting for someone who um, is in the legal profession. I don't always follow uh, what media is doing. Um, and, you know, you get to a point where you quite, com- you know, now all these months later, I, I'm not interested in what they have to say, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think the great thing is a lot of people are seeing what the mainstream media is doing because they, they took mm-hmm. a very... They took a stance that's very in line with government's rhetoric, you know, lockdown good, business is bad, and 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 they were complicit with 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 basically this whole lockdown uh, narrative, and uh, they were just pushing the the policies and the stuff that basically led to the demise of one third of our middle class, and and you you actually I think it was a, a comment on Twitter that you made where you said like. You're going back to the courts now, and I think in a minute, if you can, if you can maybe just uh, brush over it, I think we can have a more extensive conversation about it in another episode, how the courts have fundamentally changed, because uh, everything is done remotely. You, when you did get back, is you realized how many shops has closed around the courts, the favorite coffee shops, the places you guys used to go for lunches, uh, all of that, most of that has, has, has been closed down. I mean, okay, that's so devastating. I- um, the, I went back to the Labour Court last week for the first time um, since uh, March, early March before lockdown. Yes, yes. Um, and even then in early March, even with the anticipated lockdown, a lot of court matters were postponed because us lawyers had the fear of COVID in us that we might get sick and we agreed with our opponents to cancel flights, postpone matters. Um, you felt like when you did walk in, the, like the day I had to go get my urgent application to get my son back I, I got home that day and I like sterilized myself from head to toe because I've been in the court building that I go to every day I mean the level of viruses I've been exposed to in court buildings over the years if if it hasn't, <laughs> hasn't killed me then it should have killed me now but anyway so you know it was the first time back the the high courts however are not functioning in person in full as yet certain judges do require um appearances in person but those are I would say limited to at the moment to 10 to 20 percent um so the match courts are operational the um, ccmas are operational in fact i was there last week in the in the one in pretoria and it was packed with people um that's obviously because of the increase in labor disputes following covid and retrenchments etc but the high courts are not operating um uh, in full and so we do everything online so i, I ran for instance a 10-day trial in september where we had um, 10 medical experts um, testifying and we were all in separate venues and locations. So, you know, everything is exaggerated. When the judge rolls their eyes, when you shake your head at your opponent, everything's on the screen in front of you. And are you sitting with your, you know, your flip-flops and your pair of shorts and you've got your white collared shirt with your court bibs and your robes. It's just surreal. Um, and you you don't stand up when the judge comes into the virtual platform room. You don't know what to say. Are you supposed to say, good morning, how are you? Because you wouldn't do all of those things in court. 
um, like this week I'm running a trial and we, when you usually go into court, you know what's happening. Now we wait in our uniforms, in our houses, in front of our laptops, waiting for the judges to contact us. And um, you, you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. You're too scared to go to the bathroom for a pee break because you don't know if the judge is going to come online any second now. So it's really um, revolutionized court work. Um, it's great not having to travel into the CBD. But yes, um, and that's from a safety point of view, but yes, it has devastated businesses in those areas that were highly dependent on um, banking, the bankers, for instance, and all of the lawyers. Um, we were their, their, their customers and um, one of the coffee shops I got an email from in Pit Pitchett Street. Nilda's been there since oh, I was a young girl when my mum used to work in town in the 80s. And um, I got an email from her daughter to say that they are closing shop because there's there's just simply no no lawyers going to court. And it's she's one of many. And she was like an icon of town. You know, everybody went uh, there in the morning for coffee. So I don't know how how or what's going to happen to those places going forward. Well, I think the dynamics of the world has changed. I mean, um, I think a lot of businesses wasn't ready for this. I mean, I'm in the IT sector, so we've been, we've been encouraging employers, um, well, for, for a few years now saying like, Hey guys, like start being more, a bit more flexible with your employees, let them work from home, start slowly, uh, you know, take, take this thing by its horns, figure out the dynamics because, um, I, I don't know if you've, <laughs> you, you appreciate, you, you, you probably appreciate the fact a lot that especially with COVID, like usually you'll work from home, but your kid would be at school, but Correct. this time around you're working at home, but you're a teacher as well. So you kind of have to juggle a lot and, and that changes the dynamic. And like you mentioned is there's, there's so many new variables where you don't kind of know what. What is the etiquette going forward, especially when this just started? I, can I go for a pee break? Must I wait for the judge? <laughs> you know? no, so there's crazy. all these variables and it's this crazy balancing act. So I think we were kind of thrusted into the remote working world and, and we, we kind of saw what works better and what doesn't work as well. And hopefully, you know, the more flexible companies, if they can, they adopted a bit and adapted. And um I'm wondering that that sounds very interesting. You've mentioned a few things here. So in in your short while while doing everything remotely, would you say in some cases you actually are getting more done and you're able to do more in a day or what's Absolutely. your general feel around that? Absolutely. I save living in um, four ways um, and William Nichol, um, I save about three and a half to four hours a day in traffic. And wow. I, I now turn those into billable hours. I had previously employed a driver to drive me while stuck in traffic simply so that I could sit in the back of the car and use that time for emails and phone calls. I spend so much more time working now than I do planning my routes um, and sitting in traffic. Um, and I think that a lot of um, business owners really should take this as a lesson. In fact, even the legal profession um, and yes. we should turn that around and stay on this platform in certain respects because it is far more beneficial. Um, of course, there are certain things. I mean, even now we have some consultations with our clients at Chambers where there, there are documents to consider and sensitivities around an issue 
where a virtual platform is not always conducive. You need to meet a new client. You need to build a social um, interaction with them, um, as in any industry. So, and yet I've spoken to some people um, who say that they've been working for other people for several months that they haven't even met yet, and it's going really well. But certainly in some businesses, it still is beneficial to meet in person. But on the whole, South Africa was way behind from a legal perspective on doing things virtually. Um, we were always holding pre-trials in, conference, uh, in in person, whereas in the UK, they've been doing that for quite some time. Um, so, yeah, no, I think it's taught us a lesson. And I do think that, you know, we need to learn from it and develop that further instead of blighting it. Be that as it may, school must stay school. I do not ever want to teach another lesson of maths, Afrikaans, or Zulu. I can do all three, but I've done grade three. I mean, I've, grade, I've done grade two now. Um, I've got two older sons as well. I've gone through it three times for myself and them, and I had to do it a fourth term. My son agrees as well that it's better to go to school now than stay at home. He doesn't ever want me to teach him another thing. <laughs> that was awful. <laughs> At least, at least not in, in, in the school curricula, maybe in, in other aspects, but school oh, no. curriculum, I mean, you and him are done. <laughs> yeah, you know, being, being a working mom, it was, it was really a very special time to, to see what they actually do all day. You know, you ask your kid, like, how was school? Great. What did you do? Nothing. And, and this time we saw how much effort teachers actually put in to uh, educate our children. And, I mean, it's a hell of a job. So you've got to admire how quickly the teachers adapted to online, those of us that had the privilege uh, for our children to, to have that facility. Um, and, you know, it was very stressful for the teachers, but they they adapted so fast. It was incredible. And the kids were so resilient. But what clearly became apparent was how depressed the, the, the children started to become um, as the weeks went past. So what was exciting for them at the beginning, and it was like, oh, so cool, I can just stay in my pajamas in school all day. They they, they they literally just started bursting into tears by like nine o'clock in the morning. And it shows that education is not just about your curriculum, um, your academic curriculum. It's so important for children to be able to interact with each other um, and have the physical aspects as well. No, for sure. Um, I think a big thing, the social distancing thing, especially on the younger children's uh, side, I think didn't do any favors because especially if you still have children that are kind of on an infant level, uh, they need to see facial movements and, and they, they learn through looking at their parents' facial expressions and haptic feedback. And that Absolutely. was quite missing with this whole mask thing that was gone. And I think there's going to be some backlash with that and social distancing rules at schools. That's going to be a lingering effect, but we won't know in the, well, now, but maybe in the near future, we'll, we'll see what, what, what this caused because I think it will have some effects on the children moving forward. It's difficult to say at this stage what it is, um, the whole COVID thing and how it affected children from different ages. I think older children are better off because they find creative ways to communicate and hang out regardless of physical presence. But I think younger children were probably the most, I think the hardest hit in this. So Absolutely. Well, kudos on you being a teacher and an advocate at the same time and to all the parents and teachers that actually did their thing properly. Like shout out well, to all it, of you it, guys. It, it got those critics on Twitter that say that mothers should be stay at home. It, it, it got us to see what it's like. And hell no, I ain't ever doing that again. I don't yeah, so, even want so to be a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> <laughs> so Jalen is referring to a tweet from, from some guy and he, he, he tuned like it was hilarious. He, he said that any mom 
that has a nanny is a terrible mom. And uh, we, we had both had a go at him and, and he just basically said that kids should come first and absurd things. And, and we were just like, like, first off, guy, what happens if there's a divorce? And then he, then he accused you and said, like, you can never divorce. You must be there for your children. It's like, well, that works maybe in a utopia, son, but this is the real world. This is reality. I mean, things don't always me, work. And then he accused me of, of breeding badly and choosing badly and that being my own fault and I must stay at home and be poor and suffer the consequences of having chosen a bad uh, husband. <laughs> yes, yes. I was I was really, really hilarious. Um, we, we had good fun with him, but eventually, like you said, like... You can't um, argue you know, with some people. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a level of stupid that we will not entertain, and that was that was rock bottom. So we had to distance ourselves eventually. But on, <laughs> but on that note, um, you know, especially in a country where we we, we have such issues with GBV um, and um, gender prejudice, it's quite scary to see the number of people um, on social platforms that honestly believe that women have no sense of equality in the society and have to stick to the antiquated stay-at-home. Um, philosophy and you know I, I respect women who stay at home because um, it is a hard job and mm. like I said I don't ever want to have to do that myself uh, ever again and um, I sympathize with them hectically if I had to clean my own house and homeschool my children I'd end up in a straitjacket but so oh, kudos, same, yeah. but kudos to them for that freedom of choice you know yeah I mean to each their own I, I say it's a choice I'm, I'm, I support it both ways. If you want to you wanna keep on doing your career and you get someone to look after your kid or you have a daycare, perfect, you do that. If you feel like you want to be a full-time mother, great, do that. But I think the nice thing is, Gillian, especially with the advent of COVID, even these moms, if they have an hour or two, they might, might be able to actually do some work remotely as well as the kids get older. Absolutely. And, you know, it's a less intensive process. So I've got hope for the future for stay-at-home moms where they can actually uh, have more opportunities. So, so that can only be my hope. So let's, let's hope for that then at the very least. Well, well, that is one other thing for working mothers, especially self-employed individuals as myself, is that it, it has allowed me with the virtual platform to be at home with my son. So he goes to school in the morning. Um, he comes home at lunchtime. I can use the lunch adjournment to go fetch him. And then he knows mommy's on the computer and he mustn't come and ask me about um, his shows or YouTube while I'm talking to a judge. It's taken a bit of um, trial and error, but um, the judges have been in good humor about it. Um, they've had the same problem, of course. Um, but, um, you know, at least I'm at home. So it has given me more quality time um, having the virtual platform. So it definitely does have advantages as well. Yeah, for sure. And and Jillian, speaking of, of kids and everything, and, and you mentioned earlier that it was quite a shit show to, um, you know, get your child back and, and that because the courts were limited at the beginning and everything was kind of shut down. Yes. Now, in the best of days, going through a divorce is a shit, shit show. My parents went through it. I, I know full well that it's it's not fun. There's a lot of, lot of uh, antics that parents usually do and hoops they jump through to obstruct the other parent, but it always, sometimes it comes at the cost of the children. Absolutely. What is it does. like now, now, having said that, what is it like getting divorced in the midst of COVID? Um, I, 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 you, you can maybe just speak on that. I, I can just think that it's, it's not um, a fun process. Okay, so my husband left in December 2017 already. 
Um, I haven't had any maintenance for my son in that in all of that time. Um, so it, already it was financially quite difficult. To I, I didn't come into COVID in the in the best position because I was left with a lot of liabilities uh, of the marital estate. And, um, you know, I had just, just pulled myself out of the financial stress um, with all of these lawyer's fees um, to boot. I can't afford myself. So um, having to pay my colleagues was a, you know, a reminder of how expensive it is to litigate in this country. Um, but be that as it may, so I was under at least 50% more stress than everybody else, I think, around me. Um, and now as a sole um, income earner in this ha household and being self-employed, I wasn't entitled to social grants or, um, you know, uh, I, I couldn't rely on any other financial uh, backup. So it was extra um, stressful, which is why I think the, 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 the article in May almost floored me. I was like, what next can possibly go wrong? So no, I mean, my levels of uh, mental, I think, you know, um, certainly not mental health so much, but the, the, the stress and anxiety um, was overwhelming. I mean, I've lost um, several colleagues during COVID and that they weren't COVID related in the sense of the virus, but due to stress um, issues. Um, a lot of the um, clients just stopped paying us. Um, our ten, like my, my tenants stopped paying their rent in my residential properties, which I was reliant on. And then my corporate tenant left the matrimonial home and I had to move home in the middle of COVID, which is a very expensive exercise. Um, it just, yeah, adding divorce to 2020 made it, as you said, a complete and utter shit show. Excuse my French. Oh, no, no. You, you can even use the F word. Um, oh, fuck, <laughs> what did I just say? Uh, this, <laughs> we don't discriminate on this show. And I, and I actually, just, just for reference, you know, Fuck, it's it's really not so bad if you swear in 2020. We're all adults here. You um, think, and, you think. You would think. And and I'm actually kind of surprised why people would would make that the center of the attention. I like how this whole case, and, and let me touch on the intent. So let's spitball a bit. I mean, this thing happened very obscurely. You're not quite sure what the angle was, who, I have who, no could, idea. who basically you fired the first shot. No, I don't, yeah, yeah, like I don't know who her source is. I don't know who her source is, but whoever that person had, uh, uh, whoever that person was, had serious malicious intent. Whether it was some form of professional jealousy, some long gone, um, you know, argument that I'd had with someone that I'd forgotten about, uh, whether it had anything to do with my divorce and factions, you know, God only knows because I'll never know. That's between the journalist and and the powers that be. Yes, yes. No, and, uh, and whoever's conscience that it's on, that they may have prevented someone who um, really believes in our justice system from ever becoming a judge in this country. So, yeah, that that for me is the sad one because it's you know it's all fun and games until it affects your career, and then then for me it's 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 very no, it was it's, very it's personal. Very, um, yeah. Look, to some extent, like I said, it just changed the, the, the course of my career. It hasn't um, prohibited it. But whoever um, was behind that had, had seriously malicious intent. And to do that in May, knowing my personal circumstances and the levels of stress that I've been operating under for three years already, um, oh, that takes a special person for sure. And, and, and the great thing is, um, you know, public sentiment 
was completely behind you. Yeah, that for was this the, journalist to come and use something like you as the problem in this country. While meanwhile, it's the government that's completely fucking up. And I had well, to I'm sorry, I'm sorry that people, <laughs> I'm sorry the people that um, applauded her her stance or um, shunned me after. Um, I'm sorry for them that they think it's okay for our civil liberties to be so severely limited, including our freedom of speech or our freedom, quite frankly, to having our own personalities. And just because yeah. I'm a lawyer or I may have acted as a judge and, and had intended to, to, to in future do so, um, you know, I think it's really, really sad. And I, I think that they've robbed people that I would have gladly have helped in future from, from that privilege of the, the professional job just because of the, the personal tool that I can be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like the fact, and you, made a, you make an excellent point. You know, there's Joel Jill. She's on Twitter. She's hanging out with me right now. But there's professional Joel. And we all have those two dualities to our personality. I mean, I'm at work, I'm at work. And I get shit done. Absolutely. That's work, Carter. Uh, but when I Joel, I Joel. And I enjoy myself and I enjoy life. But... Um, for for mainstream media to go after someone's own personal comments that are made in a personal capacity and you aren't even remotely wrong you just you, like you say you voice the frustration of the majority of the south african nation so um and and then she turns around and kind of you know puts a few uh, landmines in your career which is well, which is well here's, a, here's a good point if you go onto any social media platform, um, no, not any, because Instagram's quite quiet. It's just pictures of our kids and what we ate for dinner. But if you look at Facebook and Twitter in South Africa in particular, um, South Africans are very critical that us lawyers haven't defended their rights. We haven't gone to court to, to slam the regulations. But here, when I did speak out about the regulations, I got completely lambasted for it. So where is the center line? What, aren't lawyers by nature um, outspoken um, against the executive when we see a law that we don't agree with? Is that not our function, to uphold justice? We're not just there to run criminal trials. I don't do criminal work. Um, surely the protection of the rights enshrined in our constitution should not be disregarded and ignored, but should be upheld. And if I call bullshit, um, I'm going to say it. And I don't care who... Yeah. Um, I'm saying it against because if I think it's wrong, I'm going to say so. That's part of my job. Yeah, you made a, you made a very valid point. And a lot of people are questioning the validity of the constitution and where is the constitution? We look at the NCCCCCCCCCCC. <laughs> Basically disregarding so many things, freedom of movement, freedom of expression, freedom of speech. You can't talk... You can't talk out, speak out against COVID, and and on even some social media platforms, you get banned or, or or kicked off or shadow banned for a few days. So, um, freedom of movement was restricted. We couldn't travel. Uh, we couldn't go to work. So self determination. I don't know what it's called exactly, but that was taken away. Um, and and it was it was a hell of a catastrophe. And in my mind, Janine, I don't know what your opinion is, but Jesus, I never want the government to have so much power that they could actually tell me like, no, child, you are not allowed to do ABC. And if that ABC includes my livelihood, I'm going to say they can go fuck themselves because no one is supposed to tell you as a citizen in a free country that you are not 
allowed to bring in an income or to do what you used what you do in a daily basis to just get by well you and know you see what the aftermath of that is now exactly and the, and the aftermath is hectic you know it's like judge Fabricia said in his judgment early in the lockdown is that the regulations have been a communality of failure i know i quoted it before in in the statement i made at the time to to the press but even cyril um said yes we acknowledge we've made mistakes and you should call us out but then somebody calls you out and you just get slammed um and i i, I don't know where south africans just started to think it was okay to just follow blindly and not question everything. And the for me, one of the biggest difficulties with this is, and I understand a limitation of rights within reason. Um, I'm not going into the legalities because it's not my domain of, of, of law that I, I'm an expert in. But if you're going to apply a law for a specific reason, that law should be applied to all. But that has not been what has happened. So we've had members of government, for instance, who, who traveled internationally when that was not permitted. We have had different rules for motorists driving in a sedan versus um, taxi drivers um, who could have full capacity. I mean, somebody I saw somebody was asking today, um, have they even changed the three-passenger rule? Now, being a lawyer, I mean, I know I should update myself on the regulations all the time, but I'm so busy trying to keep up with the new court, directed, court directives um, that I don't even get to to read the amendments. I don't even know today um, if you're allowed more than three passengers in a sedan or your SUV. Um, is it 70%? What are the rules? Nobody knows what the rules are anymore. And, um, you know, what is lockdown? What 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 supposed to be achieving right now? Um, and, and then you read the MSM going back to them again. And today I see again, if we don't start behaving, um, if we act, continue to act recklessly, now, I don't know about you, but where I go, we all like little sheep. We wear our little masks because we want to go to checkers to go buy whatever it is we can still afford to buy um, to feed our families. But uh, We use our sanitizer, and God help you if you walk past because you're thinking about something else and you get accosted at the sanitizer at, at the entrance. I'm not really seeing people misbehaving, but... Then you say to us, we can go to a restaurant and take off our masks because you can't eat through fabric. Duh. Oh, Jesus, here we go. The restaurants and the coffee shops. It's, it's fucking infuriating. It absolutely so, is. But, I mean, then why can I not catch COVID in a restaurant? And, and shame, I'm, I'm, I'm not dissing the restaurant industry because the last thing I want to do is give anybody motivation to shut them down again because I think that that has been completely ridiculous. Um, why can I go get drunk at the clubhouse uh, in the estate at four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon amongst a whole bunch of people, but I can't drive my lonely butt to spa and come back with a, or, or bottles, a uh, top, sorry, with a, a, a bottle of wine and sit at home all by my lonesome listening to my music. Where is the common sense in any of this? So I'm all for applying a law, declaring a, a state of a disaster, but it has to be logical and rational. And I just feel in everything that has happened this year um, that both of those logic and rationality have flown through, out the window and not just from the implementation of the regulations, but from our citizens. Um, people just aren't thinking straight this year at all. Well, it, it kind of leads to the next question. Ha have they ever? Because it seems to me that some people like, like 
this boot on their neck. They like this authoritarian stamp on them, this father figure, this big brother telling them what to do, obey, obey, kind of whole weird authoritarian vibe. Um, it's quite Orwellian. And, and other people are like, no, I want my freedoms and my liberties. And, and the other are happy to, to split and, and tell on their neighbors if they Absolutely. aren't obeying these arbitrary, stupid laws. And, and those people should be, um, should be treated with disdain in their society from that point onward, just, just putting it out there. If you've got a Karen as a neighbor, a bad Karen, because uh, I know in your previous uh, conversation with Jim, you actually have like, like, likable Karens, but we have to make the distinction. There's Karens and Karens, isn't there, Jill? There are. And, no, and, and of, of any of my colleagues in particular um, uh, who are named Karen and they know who they are, they were wholly supportive of what happened to me um, in my favor, not against me. And I feel so sorry for them for having the name Karen. Um, yeah, I'm not even going to start speaking about the coincidences of the car and Karen thing. So let's move past that. But, you That's know, a bit of irony there. <laughs> yeah, the irony. Um, but, yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. It's like, it's it's almost like they're so far left um, that it becomes something analogous to an Antifa kind of movement. Um, and then is, is that supportive of COVID or does that start becoming something that is, um, an indictment on, on on our freedom of choice and our freedom of speech and our and as I've said earlier, our freedom to just be us. Since when did we lose our freedoms of personalities? Um, you're not even allowed to be who you want, who you are, who you have been for 20 years, and no one took issue. And suddenly, this is a problem. I don't know what happened to the world no. issue. I don't. No, I, I think everyone is kind of in a hot box moment. Everyone is much more frustrated and and unfortunately a bit more fragile. But you're right. It, it's it, it's as if the world has gone mad. Um, you you look in the U.S. especially. It's manifested and 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 blew up there spectacularly with the advent of Antifa. Um, yeah, and and everything that's going now in the U.S. The, the allegations of vote rigging. There seems to be open and and quite good evidence that there is vote rigging uh, going on. I've seen. Yeah, but when you say good evidence, what is that? Is that MSM? Or is that actual evidence? Is that court evidence that's going to stand up in a court of law? Or are we listening to various media houses? No, 100%. That's, that's at the moment what we have to deal with. Because that's, that is, it's, it's an information war between mainstream media outlets that, that panders either to the Democrats or to the Republicans. And then there's a thin veil called the truth in between. But, yeah. but you're right. That- and one thing that evidence is the driving factor of what, what actually will or will not happen. If no. something is not substantiated by evidence, um, you've got a bit of a problem, unless right. they cover it up. Again, and and, and the other problem with that is, is that whilst I'm no um, American law experts, um, I find their legal system uh, rather complicated um, with their federal laws and what have you. Uh, what people are forgetting, and I'm watching this, this debate on Twitter, and um, I can tell you that my interest in American politics is, is sweet F all. But for, for that to, to stand in court, all these allegations um, of uh, fraudulent um, votes and what have you, even there, there's going to have to be material evidence um, that a state was swung um, due to some um, undue duress or, or wrongdoing before it's going to hold up. A couple of mainstream media examples is, is just not going to, to, to cut it in any court of law. Um, but be that as may, 
and I was discussing it with one of my um, attorney colleagues today who is quite a fair with American politics. Um, and, you know, I stand completely neutral um, between the Trump-Biden-Republican-Democrats um, fight. Um, I can't say I'm a fan of either, um, whether it's Orange Noise or, or, or Neck Sniffer, um, which just gives me the creeps, I must say, and I think I've made that quite obvious. If, if somebody had to like just sniff my neck like that all day, I would just like really not be too impressed. But to me, it's, it's also having a look at current world circumstances. It's an indictment on us as people that those are the two best choices we have um, in America. And, you know, you got to wonder where we, how we got you. Yeah. So, I mean, so, can I say on that? The, the, can I say on that? Yes, that go. Trump, of whom I'm, I'm not a fan, um, he has individual massive base flaws. Um, but somehow to the people in America, um, to them, he comes across as the only politician who really wants to be a good president, not for the financial benefits of it. And then you're sitting with the Democrats who, quite frankly, hysterically are all members of the so-called swamp, and they have grown up as professional politicians. Um, so, you know, you're looking at a population of approximately 360 million people, um, and there's, there's only 11 cities, I was told today, cities in America, um, that have more than a million people. So the majority of them have like almost like a village mentality. And you've got to ask yourself, who do they speak to? Um, which president can, or presidential candidate is going to speak to them? And I think that that translates as well in South Africa to the problem that we have here. Maybe the candidates are not the greatest in their own regard. They both have their flaws. I, I totally agree with that. But then you have to take the bigger picture view of they stand for a lot of ideas. This is a battle of ideas where the Republicans stand for free markets, open markets, uh, less taxes. Um, and, and ironically, the Democrats, a lot of them are moving to Republican states because they are getting taxed out of their minds. The other side is cool, more COVID restrictions, more freedom of movement restrictions, or maybe open borders. I'm not quite sure on that point. And then also let's tax people at 60%. Like, yeah, because we've seen that governments can do it better than the private sector. Like, no, that's never the case. That's bad. So it's a bit bigger than that. It is two, two big behemoths actually fighting about the battle of ideas, where the one is more for personal freedoms and the other one is more let the government do government, let the government bring equality and fix everything for us, more kind of mm. socialism kind of vibe. And the other one is like, no, let's just do freedom <laughs> and we'll sort ourselves out.